Welcome to Dancing with the Bards, a show where we give our much-needed opinions on tabletop and board games that we think you'd enjoy. This month, we've got a two-for-one deal going for the holiday season. We've got two games perfect for a nice evening with the family, with only a tiny bit of deception and betrayal. It's Machi Koro and Spyfall. This week, we have myself, your ever-so-humble bard, Chris, bringing you eloquence and chocolate oranges, two of my favorite things. Brooke. Hey. Ian. Happy holidays. And another new guest, Max. Howdy. Uh, so before we get into the review, I'll give you some quick information on these two games. For those who are not interested in the review of Machi Koro, there should be a timestamp below to skip to the Spyfall review. So, Machi Koro is a resource gathering game for two to four players where you, as the mayor, are tasked with developing your town, the town of Machi Koro, as quickly as possible by any means. Thematically, it's like an Animal Crossing, but competitive, where you must build certain structures for your townsfolk, but with the added twist of stealing from mayors of neighboring towns. Most of its mechanics revolve around a single die or two that you roll on your turn, and what number it falls on determines the events of what happened during that turn. The game was released in 2012 and was developed by Nathan McNair and Molly Wardlaw, and published by Grounding Incorporated. Grounding Incorporated has released four different expansions called Machikoro Plus, Machikoro Harbors, Machikoro Minivilles, and Machikoro Harbors and Millionaires Row, and it can be purchased for about $25. Uh, so what was everyone's kind of general uh, review of Machikoro itself? I know I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, um, but obviously I'm not the only person with an opinion here. We should have the, uh, the guest yeah. go first. I really enjoyed Hi, Max speaking here. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a cute game. Uh, honestly, when we stopped playing, I was a little sad. I wish we would have played a little more. Um, just generally, it was a good time. Fun. If you, uh, if you like Catan, that is the same vibe. It's that same vibe. Yeah, so... I, and I love Catan, so... Like, Catan light. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. All right. Very quickly, then. As you all already know, after this, uh, what, third episode, we do have a scoring system that's split into two main parts and then in a couple different subsections. Each of these subsections can receive a score of 0 to 3, and it's on a grading scale of about a 42, but that doesn't necessarily color the entirety of the game's enjoyment. That's just how we personally scale it. That's split up into the system and flexibility sections, system having the rules, the design, and the gameplay. The flexibility section includes anything regarding the community, modifications including expansions and anything made by the community, and then the meta details which include replay value, if we consider it classic or innovative, or simple or complex. So just to go from the start, Machi Koro, as I said earlier, is two to four players. I personally think that Two to four players is a pretty good size for a game like that. Uh, it doesn't have a great breadth of players, though. So if I had like a larger friend group, it wouldn't really support all of them. I, I do have a pretty large friend group, and it would not support all of them. I mean, two to four, pretty average for, for well, player rate. lucky you, because <laughs> yeah. I've never had that issue before. Uh, and again, we're... If you're in a family setting at home, I feel like, because we were kind of theming it that yeah, way, this that this is about as many kids as you can have in a board game without 
going completely off the rails anyway. Disaster explosions. Can you imagine trying to play Monopoly with like five kids? Oh, up I until know. like a Monopoly decade ago, that it's was the standard. I know. <laughs> After that, we have accessibility. I I think it's pretty accessible. The rule book itself was pretty easy to read. There wasn't any complicated uh, verbiage or anything like that. So I give it a pretty good score. One thing that I, I did really like, uh, which is why I kept this in rotation in my bag all the time when I was babysitting, uh, it has all of the information on the cards. So you never had to go back to the rule book unless you were actually looking up something specific. Like it always had all the information you needed right on those cards. It also actually, speaking of the rule book, did have a very clear depiction of like, there was a rule that we had to go over multiple times in terms of the order of operations for when cards trigger, that's one of like the big things that it has listed in there. Yeah, and like, it's it's separated out. Like mm-hmm. it's not just in a wall of text. It's yeah, it's not like a side thing that you have to like flip through the rule book to mm-hmm. find that specific segment. It's a big part of that. Like it's big text. Uh, it's an example, like an example case. They have multiple example cases for that, which I think yeah. was really really instrumental in assisting you in learning how to, how the system works. I'll say that resource gathering games are not generally my favorite type of game. Uh, in fact, they're they're actually one of my least favorite type of games. Mm-hmm. That said, this made it was easy enough and simple enough that the strategy and that the strategies were pretty straightforward. I I can say that of the resource gathering games that I'm not very fond of, Outrage is pretty on the, on the higher end. Just because it's 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 easy to get, it's easy to understand. It's not oh well, you had to trade four sheep for my piece of lumber, and then trade that piece of lumber to make a mill, and then make that mill to get the mine. And it's like but that's call so out. complicated. Call but you can do that though. I've definitely played with a couple kids that we got very good at this, and we made deals like you can't pay me right now. And we had a thing: you have to be able to place pay someone when uh, it said to pay that person, otherwise you would go bust. And you're, you would go bankrupt. So you would, if you wanted to, you could have it to like, oh, well, you can't pay me this, but if you give me that forest, it's like this never happened. So you can still do that, but it's not in the rules. They don't make it complicated. Mm-hmm. I should say that also kind of leaps a little bit into comprehension with accessibility. So yeah. I also gave comprehension a pretty high score. I think we've kind of discussed that. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty straightforward. In terms of design... Uh, Machi Koro is, as one would suggest with the name, quite diverse. Uh, it's got a lot of Japanese themings, though the localization team, I would say, uh, did a very good job. The only caveat I would say to that is in the rulebook itself, a lot of the, the cards displayed are still in Japanese. Like, you can still see the kanji on the cards, as opposed to, like... It's a fun nod. It's fun. It's, we looked it up. It, it was yeah. originally developed in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. that's, that's why I gave it kind of a medium score, because, like, as much as in the Western world we are right now, it's diverse to us, because that's not something we see in our market very often. Mm-hmm. In reality, where it was originated, this is the standard. Um, however, they don't depict people on the cards... It's mostly just places, um, and place, yeah, and and very generic places. So that was nice, and that's why I gave it a good score. I didn't give it a perfect one just because it is very centric to where it came from. If I can do a shout out on this topic real quick, oh boy! So I I'm actually very very fond of the fact that it's it's not as non-Western game. I know that is really difficult to publish games in uh 
that are you know not from like the western area, especially not. You know, I don't know the northern hemisphere, especially like that's very. It's very hard to publish games outside of that area, especially in, so western and northern hemisphere yeah. is difficult. I just recently funded uh, a a uh, Kickstarter to get a few Latin American created games off the ground. L A T A M. I'm pretty sure it was called. It's on Twitter. Yeah, I would like to chime in. Hello, uh, Will. Our producer yeah. Will here. Producer Will in the background. I, I would just like to add to your point, Ian, though. I, I feel like Japanese games have an easier time breaking into the Western market, especially with the success they've had over the past 20, 30, well, Conf, less Conf. than 30 years. Anime. Oh, well, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, two... Those are both anime. <laughs> well, cards came first. That's true. That's and then true. the American release, the anime, came out in October. I think the Pokemon game. No, either, either way, we're going to be very excited to bring those games on the podcast too, since you guys. Yes, that's uh, be, never they're we, still in development and yeah. release, but once they do, I I'm probably going to buy a couple. Oh yeah, because it's it's important to to have that diversity in our our area because so many people are are it's a melting pot yeah. in the U.S. and the Northern Hemisphere in general now, um, but if I'm looking at it from back to where it was created that wouldn't be diverse to them. Aside from the rule book having those nods to the yeah. original Japanese thing, the only other thing that you can really tell that it came from Japan is, one, the name Machi Koro, and then the kanji that's actually on the box. Fun fact, uh, Machi Koro just means uh, Dice Town. Oh, means Dice Town. Dice Town. Oh, oh that's so cute. cute. There's also a Japanese flag under the O. Yeah. The last well, that's that's because that's in the. I, that's just yeah. the, the the theme of it, I guess. It's it's cute. It's the artwork on this is very very poppy. I love the color. Yeah. Speaking of artwork, the materials is yeah. the next segment. <laughs> I love the materials they give. The box makes it easy to put things away. Mm-hmm. There's a place yes. for everything, and that doesn't happen a lot in board games. Like it's, it frustrates me every time I see a box that's not optimized. It makes me a little sad. Um, <laughs> There's also not a lot that you have to fit in the box. It's not like they give you a whole town that you have to fiddle with. It's just the cards, the dice, and the currency. Yeah, and even the currency, it's standardized to a way that's like. Copper coins, silver coins, gold coins. If you lost one of those pieces, you could absolutely print out another one or make it work. You or could use find pennies or use yeah. real money. You Put could real use money on the line, folks. Yeah, but that would, either that would be fun to play like a. Uh, oh. like... We're gonna gamble with Machikoro. <laughs> oh, oh, honestly, that'd be kind of fun. That'd be great if you, the winner gets to keep whatever money um, you I... haven't spent. Uh, I might need to That's change my player-created uh, content score. <laughs> We're just, we're just, we're just, we're just spouting brilliance right, right now. now. Um, but yeah, for materials, I gave it a really high score just because I'm a stickler for materials. I am tough on materials on my rubrics, and this one is, this is why it's in my personal collection. Perfect amount of materials for what you need. Yeah. In terms of, look. <laughs> it's just, it makes me feel nice and co- it feels cozy. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It just, it's not, there aren't very many harsh colors to all the cards it's very uh distinct uh separating all like the different types of cards and uh yeah it's just very cute overall in terms of how well it plays or its its rate of play i say that the early few rounds went by pretty quickly but then sort of towards the middle this might be just sort of how i was playing the game 
but towards the middle it sagged a bit and then just like at the end of our playthrough uh, Brooke just came through and just smashed <laughs> us with like a billion coins. It's almost like I've played this. It's almost like you I had a plan. Here. <laughs> um, well, that's cheating. That's that's the difference there. Strategy, strategy, strategy. Yes, there were three players who had never played this before. Right, we were still developing uh, what we wanted to do, and I think that's when it later on in the game we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do, uh, and that's what sort of took time in between turns mm -hmm. um, because it was definitely very it was a quick flow uh, at the beginning because you're just collecting coins uh, buying the cheap stuff uh, but Brooke you had a plan you yeah, wasted no I, time I've so that's where that difference game. lies I have, a, I have a strategy it's kind of like with tic-tac-toe you kind of latch onto one strategy after mm -hmm. a while that's kind of my beef with, with uh, resource gathering games uh, it definitely favors a person who's played that type of game, and especially that particular game, the most. It, there's also always an optimal strategy in resource gathering games. It's never like, oh yeah, everything's completely random, so you could win with any strategy. No, there's like the there are like three strategies, and yeah, one usually either... beats the other, like rock paper scissors, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know those, you're lost. I will also say, I do think these dice might have been a little unbalanced. We got five. There were trends. Way, way more inordinate yeah. than we got else. Uh, and nine also just popped up all the time. I think it's, crazy. it's okay that we used the materials we were given, though, because yeah. that's what we're grading it on. And if, if that really bothered you after you played it once... Yeah, you could like just change up the dice. I'll be honest. Most people that are listening to this right now I have a large stash of dice somewhere in their house that this would not be an issue. It's I certainly don't have six pounds of dice at home. I don't know what you were talking about. You definitely, looking at me. You definitely don't have a problem. I and we're not accusing. Well, that's because you I have Chris around. Yeah, sure. Um But yeah, so I, I really did enjoy the rate of play. Mm -hmm. I think that it allows you, if you have not played before, in the beginning it is a little slow, but it allows you that time to understand the process of how it works. Uh, you can also speed that up by my home rule. If I've played with you a couple times, we have our strategies. We start with more money. So you can get your strategy off the ground very quickly go by way faster yeah and then that that kind of speeds up that beginning part and, and allows it to be just about the dice rolls finally there's value for price in the system subsection gameplay uh i definitely think this was worth the about 25 dollars that it goes for right now just about yeah it's it's got it's a good game uh it's got materials that are absolutely necessary nothing that you won't need uh you have to use everything that's in the box uh, though we don't necessarily have to have every single card to win there's a variety of different ways to play everything everything about what you get from the game itself seems worthwhile to me yeah i don't think we i think any... i got my money's worth out of it and i didn't even pay for it <laughs> this is if if you did pay for it yeah if you did absolutely. yeah if, if you had already purchased it, would you feel like it was worth the, how much it cost? Which, well, maybe that should go towards the end, but yeah. And I'm biased on that front, so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is uh, flexibility with the subsection of community. That includes both developer and developer support and the player community itself. In terms of developer support, I've already uh, informed you of the different expansions and information available online for Machikoro. 
Aside from those, I'm not sure if there's much else information that the uh, developer, developers have provided for the game itself, but the community seems pretty well-formed, uh, unlike most of our other games, and I think this is just a, a pattern with a lot of the board games that we go through. They don't necessarily have their own unified fronts to post information on. That's ma mainly stored for, like, tabletop RPGs or games where it's like you can create a lot of custom content. When it comes to games where it's just like, oh yeah, you just play this over and over, there's not normally a place for people to hang out with that. So I never I never want to give them no points, but I definitely, they didn't score a ton of points uh, for either developer support or player, support, uh, player community for me. Um, I, I have a quick point on that one. I mean, as far as, as developer support and player support, just translating this game into multiple languages uh, does kind of uh, give it some points for me on that one. And, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't have a huge player community because once you try it, it's a board game. But as far as board games go, it, it, it's, it's somewhat well-known, especially more recently. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, that in itself, I think, does add to the, the points, at least in my opinion, for player community. That's understandable. Yeah. I mean, usually my biggest um, point is like, can you find this on Reddit? Because at the end of the day, we all look at Reddit for community-based things. It does not have its own community on Reddit, as far as I could find, it unless it's named something game. different. But there are posts under like the typical art board games. So it's talked about, it just doesn't have its own community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, back, I mean, back to my point. For yeah. That, like, yeah. It, it, when this the game first came out, it was very difficult to get an English copy. Now you can buy it from Target. Oh but yeah, like, it's great. <laughs> I love it. That was kind of the reason why it became so popular, though, because it was so hard to acquire uh, in English, or even outside of, if you wanted to get the Japanese copy, it was even rarer to find, which is why it, it scarcity improves like the yeah. the desire for items. So I feel like that, that also uh, applies here. But otherwise... Still, it's still got a middling score for me because I didn't want to give it no points, didn't want to give it a bunch of points. Uh, in terms of the custom content, in terms of the modifications, there's not a whole lot of content available online that modifies this that's made by players. Most of it comes from the expansions that we discussed uh, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, of which there are four main ones and then a variety of ones that only add different cards that are technically also considered expansions. Yeah, and also you can... You can do a variety of home yeah. home rules without it impeding the way you play. Like, there's a lot of space for you to say, oh, well, we're going to start with more coins, we're going to listen to this rule, we're not going to listen to this rule. Uh, even if you take a couple of things away or add more to it, it doesn't change it drastically. No matter what, it's still Machi Koro. Uh, it's similar to how in Monopoly you can make home rules for that. Um, and I've done that for a variety of age groups and things like that. It's easy to gear this up and down depending on the abilities of those you're playing with. Just hearing your um, sort of different house rules during the live stream uh, instantly just kind of gave it a bump to that score for me because you can, you can add your own rules and that's already more content. Yeah, that's that's more of the, the home custom content and even like replay value. I'm not passionate about this at all. I didn't bring this game. No. Just, Whew, it just showed up on the desk. Bias, what bias? <laughs> no bias here. <laughs> we did also have our own homebrew rule, which we only discovered like half of the stream. Yeah. 
of, oh yeah, you can buy as much as you can pay for. Yeah. Which technically you're only really supposed to buy one thing per turn. That's also why we have rotating guests and three different people, so that we, I mean, instead of trying to filter out bias, the bias is there, we just kind of hope it averages out. Yeah. The crime is shared. <laughs> uh, finally, the meta scores in Under Flexibility. That includes replay value, whether we consider it classic or innovative, or simple or complex. Uh, classic or innovative, I felt pretty classic. Uh, I gave it a middling score there of about a two, and it was very simple. Like, once we once we got the information, once we had all the cards down, we got into the game moments later. So we didn't really have to go through, like, the whole rule book, even though it's only, like, a couple of pages, which is also a credence to the simpleness. Uh, we didn't have to go through, like, a whole complex thing. So I'd say, given both of those, uh, had a great replay value, because there are different ways that you can play the game. Obviously, Brooke has discovered the perfect premium method of playing this game. Uh, but there's different varieties, like the, the red card builds. And I, used, I used to have an eight-year-old that I babysat, um, who used to whoop my ass, using a completely different strategy. So her strategy was closer to yours, where it was the steal strategy, except instead of just using the stealing red card, she also put out the... Uh, yes, she put out the purple cards as well. Those, no one used actually. No, yeah, Ian cards. had purple cards, but her strategy was to only get red and purple cards with her <laughs> having other people pay you, and she would control how much money you had more so than what she got. That's real smart. Yeah. So, so there's, there's there's multiple ways to do this. It's almost evil. Oh yeah, no, she is. I she's going to control us all one day, and She'll I'm not mad about this. Yeah, she and her sister used to whoop my ass at it all the time, uh, and they are, they will control us all, and I will not be mad. Oh yeah. I mean, I said it at the beginning of this. I wanted to play that game again. Yeah. And I feel like I could play it all night long. Did everyone agree with the the classic to? Complex? I yeah, I, I, I did pretty so. much. I gave it a two for simple because it oh. is simple, but at the end of the day. Uh, it did have a lot of reading involved, and we were looking at this through the lens of, is it something that you can play with your family? Yeah. And if you get much younger than, like, eight, it gets a little dicey. Um, so, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. All the, the puns intended. Excuse you. <laughs> right, of course, we're bards. <laughs> we're bards. We can do what we want. Um, so I, I gave it a two on that, because it's it's not like the Candyland level symbol where I could play this with my... <laughs> two-year-old cousin um, who's just matching colors for the first time, but it does let you go a lot lower than a lot of the board games we cover. I mean, I, yeah, I gave it a simple three for the reason of, I mean, yeah, the rules are, 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 are long, but, I mean, on the cards. The rules. Yeah, but this is true. Someone else can read them, the rules. And, and classic, you know, obviously, a, a resource gathering game again? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> totally innovative. Totally innovative. I, I just see so many of these. Uh, yeah, and and to be fair, until Catan really took the scene, there weren't many, and then mm-hmm. suddenly it all exploded. My my the friend group that I hang out with that does board games, this is like their favorite kind of games, and I I guess I'm just kind of burnt out on it. I can understand that. I could see not wanting to play multiple versions um, of this because Catan's a little too much for me. I'm not a competitive person, so like bar like. The thief aspect and stuff was never my deal. So this being truly just about you and your plays outside of those two cards that my eight-year-old loved so much, um, it's very much 
just about you and the dice and not about hurting other people, which is a huge thing for me. And now we step into the wrap-up section. Uh, Just final comments on the game, your uh, total score, and finally, if you would buy the game. Brooke, your answer is probably obviously... Yes, (laughs) yes. I, it's it, it got less than I thought. So one of the things that I really do like about our system is that it got a 33 for me. Um, I kind of walked in expecting to put like a perfect score down. But with the way we do things, it did hold me back from that, which I only resent a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that just means you were level-headed in your decisions. Yeah, well, it's, you can't really lie on it. Um, so I gave it a 33 and all. I think it's worth it. It it goes through a lot of age ranges. You can play with older people. You can play with younger people. And I don't think it would take away um, playing with a vast amount of age group. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Uh, I personally had a 35 out of 42 just because I feel like since this was my first time, I didn't notice as many of the, the flaws as might actually be present. And it was just a fun romp. We just got to have fun. Uh, if I was playing this with like my dad and my brother they would be having a blast because much like uh, if we played Settlers of Catan, they wouldn't know what to do from the get-go, but we would figure it out (laughs) in the end. This is true. As for me, uh, I ended up giving it a a 27. Um, (laughs) I I did somewhat enjoy it. As I said, I'm very biased on this subject. Uh, My my least favorite types of games are are resource gathering and deck-building games. Uh, as I said, I'm just kind of burnt out on those a little bit, a lot of it. I'm also not very good at them. <laughs> so, I don't know. You were getting, you're getting pretty good at this one. That's Morning. fair. I I don't hate it, and I, I, I think the that's lowest... That's a glowing review Well, I mean, I think you. that's as much as we're going to get out of him. I think flexibility was where it took the most hits for me under things like uh, uh, replay value and things like that, just because I personally wouldn't. Yeah. I, I see the value in the game. And I think, as you said, it's very good for families and stuff. It, this is just my personal score. Yeah, and I've I've played this back to back with kids before, like two games in a row, and had them still want to play more. Mm-hmm. Max, Max, Max you're not you're not one of my kiddos. I'm sorry, but I would gladly play over and over again. <laughs> okay, uh, t- my score. I ended up having I literally while you guys were talking, I uh, might have <laughs> just started to add up all of the scores, but I did end up with a thirty. I, overall, I enjoyed this game. It, I, I've, I've said it before. But, yeah. yeah. Averaging around a 30 for yeah. between all of us. Yeah. So, pretty good. Uh, so, if, those, if anyone who is currently listening was not interested in Spyfall, which is the next game that we are going into, uh, thank you very much for listening. We will include the socials towards the end of the podcast, as per usual. Uh, if you would like, you can just sort of all the way to the end. But... Beginning now with the summary for Spyfall. Uh, Spyfall is a social deduction game for three to eight players. In each round, each player will receive a card of one of two different varieties. Most of the cards will have the name of a location and an occupation or description of a person who can be found in that location. These cards are called location cards. The other type of card is a spy card. These cards will have no such information and is only used to designate who the spy is for that round. The goal of the game for all of the non-spy players is to figure out who the spy player is by asking each other questions. Once they believe they know who the spy is, they all must unanimously vote for the spy. However, the spy has a different task. The spy must not only disguise themselves, but also use the questions that the rest of the players have asked to each other, as well as their answers, 
to determine what the location is. If the spy is able to declare the location, uh, regardless of if they are discovered, the spy wins. If the spy is discovered and unable to declare the location, then the non-spy players win. And finally, if the non-spy players guess the spy incorrectly and the spy cannot determine the location, the round ends with a tie. The game was released in 2014 and developed by Alexander Yushan and published by Hobby World. There are several expansions to Spyfall that add additional locations to the mix, but none that necessarily change the mechanics any further than I've already discussed, uh, though there is also a sequel. The original Spyfall can also be purchased for about $24, so it's a pretty good rate. In terms of number of players, unlike Machi Koro, it's, as I said, 3 to 8, which definitely fits most friend groups. And uh, large families. And large families, yeah. So um, I gave that some great points. I'm just going to put it up at the top because, much like Ian, these are my least favorite games. <laughs> so I don't like these, like, um, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, all of that type of stuff. Social it's not, Yeah, not my, not my jazz. Uh, <laughs> but I will say the one thing that really, really bugged me on this was that I cannot imagine... Because it's only eight minutes. This last eight minutes, mm-hmm. having eight people asking questions in eight minutes, I would lose my mind. It it would be hard to keep track of who said what and when, but I can definitely envision it. Because if you think about it, if we we all had questions kind of primed, aside from whoever the first person was, we had questions primed, and we could generally provide answer into question over the course of 30 seconds or so, which means about 16 questions can be asked before the end of the deadline. For larger groups, that just means that the people who have not been asked questions have more time to think of questions and more time to think about answers, and the spy has more time to think about the answers that have been provided and to try and not look suspicious. But I could also see you forgetting to ask someone a question and then have someone who has not had any basis for it. Well, that sort of happened. We There was one round where we realized, oh, we didn't ask Brooke enough questions. Yeah. Um, so, and that was with, that. I'll say it, me. I'll raise my hand. I'm raising my hand currently. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's just my thing is, and again, I know that I'm biased on this subject. Uh, again, both of these games I'm biased for or against. Um, <laughs> but that that's the one thing is, I guess you could also homebrew rule to scale up the amount of time for certain people um i just that bugged me that in the rules they didn't think of that or didn't have that i am also biased on this because hidden <laughs> roll games are my favorite game. <laughs> it is polar let the record show they are an opposite sides of the table right now. I know. So we, we are on opposite sides of the table metaphorically and physically. I don't really want to talk about Machi Koro too much during this, the, the spot. Yeah, that's fine. that's fine. I don't want to compare apples to oranges. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. Like, it, it's funny that, you know. Oh, yeah. This was a fun How much yeah. have you played this game? I've only played this game once before, mm-hmm. but I've played a lot of games like it. My okay. favorite of the hidden roll games would be Menace Among Us by okay. uh, Smirk and Dagger. Which we will try to get to eventually, we yes. swear. It's so hard to catch. Which also has a limit of eight players, so I is I that, have... Is that the game that I believe? Yes. You okay, you I, will, I do like that game. game. That's yeah. that's mm-hmm. the only one of this type of game that I've ever had any kind of fun with. 
Mazamonis is very good. They did a good job. We will discuss well, that. Yeah, we'll do that some other time. But circling back to Spyfall, number of players, pretty sizable. In terms of accessibility, uh, it's it's got similar relations to Machi Coral in terms of like the important rules are all listed in the rule book and are very clear. They don't really have any... There's not much that you have to clarify for uh, a game like this, aside from like time limits, rules for the game, and then win conditions. Unfortunately, the text is rather small and hard to read in some places, and especially the, the center page of the rulebook is supposed to be used so that you can see all of the different locations, and the text and the images are so very small, it's not great for use of reference, and when you're sitting around a table, especially in a hidden roll game, it looks really suspicious when you have to pick up the rule book to see what the locations are. And it's such an easy fix. All you have to do is add in eight cards. Eight extra cards that we can have in front of us with those locations for it not to be as suspicious. As someone who has a hard time with their memory, I had to be spied twice. I was overlooking at that stupid piece of paper that had a glare because it's all shiny, which is another thing I hate. <laughs> and I, if I had one card in front of me just telling me the rules really quickly again, and that, it would have been so much more accessible for me. I have a question for you. Would just a list help you with that? Or would you need like yeah, the images? I would just need a list. So I wouldn't list. even need, I wouldn't even need that. All right. In terms of comprehension, however, I'd say it was fairly easy to understand the rules. Aside from how difficult it was to read the rules, the rules themselves are very simple in terms of like just everyone has a role. You're either a spy or you're not a spy. You have to ask each other questions. The only real complicated bit was coming up with a question that wouldn't immediately reveal the location for the spy. I know we had a couple of snafus. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like the whole, the whole, yeah. you know, uh, game. Yeah. That's the whole game. Coming up with good questions that don't reveal everything, but also make it so the spy has a difficult time just saying a straight up lie. And catching people on patterns is also another thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who has to be spied twice when you only play? Like four rounds. I, yeah. well, I was almost spy twice. So. I know we traded cards. Um, half we traded cards just right for before. fun. Yeah, right, I, right I will say there is one thing that I want to say that's not necessarily relevant to the comprehension, but just kind of yeah. a thing about the game. Situations like that are kind of why I don't like hidden roll games because it's not. It's never fully random. It's only as random as you can make it. So. I know I never got to be a spy, and I know Ian never got to be a spy. You guys were spies every single time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know how well I'd do as a spy. You guys were suspicious of me anyway, so it probably wasn't great. But... I will say that as far as hidden role games go, there's a reason that a lot of them will add in other roles into the game. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever played like Among Us. You'll have additions where you have other types of roles and stuff. Yeah. Um, I know Venice Among Us has that too, where you have people who have different goals that might conflict with uh, the goal of the group, mm-hmm. so that you have people who look more suspicious. 
you know, uh, and this doesn't have that, which makes it more simple, which is why, you know, we picked it for the a family gathering game, but I can see why that can cause some problems when someone gets spiraled twice and no one else gets to do anything other than just describing where they are. Speaking of where you are, in terms of diversity, they did have a lot of different locales uh, outside of just, you know, the U.S., but in terms of the the people that were displayed in them, it was mainly just, like, white dudes, a couple of women, uh, and then there was one Asian guy in the... the was he actually Asian, or are you just talking about the guy with the horse head? Little that was awesome. Yeah, Whoa, the guy with the horse no, head? How I mean, because technically he could be just about anything, but it just it bothered me the only... He clearly identifies as horse. <laughs> it's just, it, I, I was bothered by that too, just in general. Like, it, there's not, even the outside of the box yeah, the is box very yeah. male-centric. I made a comment earlier that, like, even a lot of the Bond movies have more <laughs> people of color in it than this. You and it's about an English spy in the 60s, like... If a movie from the 60s has more diversity than something from this modern age, you have a severe... Okay, sorry, 2014. Still has a very severe problem, because, like, those movies are usually pretty bad. It, it didn't really get many points. It didn't get any points at all from me in terms of diversity it's very similar to the materials uh, as described a little while ago the only thing that it comes with are the cards for the different locations of which there are seven location cards and then one spy card the rule book itself and admittedly we did get this from a friend and the box itself is a little beat up so i can't say for certain that the box didn't come with like an organizer but we have all of the cards separated in different bags, and I'm fairly certain these bags did not come with the game. So, unless there was an organizer, we would have had just a bunch of different cards just littered about the entirety of the box with no container. I do believe they come with the bags. Yeah, I think they do. Oh, okay. Still, because they seem to fit pretty, pretty mm-hmm. snugly. Can I just say that, um, this might be again my stickler for packaging, uh, you could have themed this like Clue does, where you have a little envelope. That would have been so much more fun as a spy getting a do- like a little dossier instead of these clear bags that I can get at the dollar store. Yep. That's immediately why I just assumed it didn't come with them. Because yeah. they're like the, the cheapest quality bags you can get at literally any dollar store across the country. I mean, to be fair, they're hard to find. You'd have to get them at Dollar Zone. Yeah. Area, but that's just... <laughs> You've got it down. <laughs> I, I, I frequent dollar stores very often as a teacher. So, I have played this game before, and I waited, I played it once, and I played this without the materials, so that's why I waited for Nap to save. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I got a lower, I mean, like, it's kind of just, I, I, having that, having that knowledge before, like, I played this without the materials, um, sort of contributed to me score like it almost like the materials up. didn't help yeah, with yeah, the gameplay exactly. it almost hindered it in no regard because i guess yeah now that i think about it every time i got a location card my brain wouldn't go to oh i have the location like airport okay what happens in an airport my brain went to oh okay let me look at this image of an airport and just use stuff in that as mm-hmm. my questions 
And that that did like hinder the questions that I was mentally thinking of or was able to ask. I did like, however, that the images they did have, so we're not just knocking on the quality of the, the diversity. That's true. Um, it did feel like a Nintendo 64 game, which I really enjoyed. It felt like it brought me back to my childhood and in like those loading screens if you were playing like Carmen San Diego or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 007. Or even 007, yeah. And that I did really enjoy because it, it felt nice. I just wish they had made some of the text a little bigger or, you know, uh, showed some different people. But that's that's just me and that's that's what we focus on because we want that diversity because our friend group's diverse, the world is diverse, and it's nice to see yourself represented. Didn't get many points from me in materials or diversity. <laughs> I will not nah. I will not have any sort of remorse for that. Uh, next up is gameplay, which includes both rate of play and the value for the price. I'd say it's capped at eight minutes. Or more if you choose to homebrew or uh, house rule that. I gave it a pretty good score for the rate of play. I'm not sure if you guys also agree. I know Brooke, you said that you felt like it, there wasn't it a felt whole like sometimes. So if you either felt really rushed to try and figure out questions, or there was dead space while people were trying to figure out their things. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was very stop and start. But again, that's why I don't really play these games because I. I don't like that random awkward silence. It makes me nervous. <laughs> it would be nice if the game, like, in the rule book included some sample questions. Like, yeah. oh, what happens in this location? Or what are you doing here? Or things like that where if you if you didn't know what you wanted to ask, you could just consult the rule book and be based a question based off of one of the samples. See, when you were describing this to me and we were about to play it, when you said different locations, I got super excited that it was going to have geography added into it. So it was going to be about physical places <laughs> and not like the airport. So I thought we were going to have to be like, I thought it was you, more Carmen San Diego. Yeah, game. and I was excited about that because that, that would, would awesome. be an amazing game for families to play. It's educational, but still fun. I guess you could... As you were saying, you did this without yeah, yeah. your stuff, so I guess you could make a whole thing yourself with it, but that's a whole different game. Um, I didn't find it... Then you're putting in more yeah. work. I have deceived you, Brooke. I have deceived all of you. Yeah, this okay. game was not the fun game you thought it was. <laughs> it was the game with cards that have all the things you need to read on them in I, tiny print. I, I and Brooke studied geography for... Five hours before this. <laughs> I am I am a history and geography buff. That's my outside hobby from this. Um, so I was a little upset. Uh, I have grown the wool over your eyes. It's okay, Chris. You do this more often than you think. <laughs> ah, victory. Uh, in terms of second off value for price, yeah, this is it's gonna share a similar score to the materials for me. It's just the cards, the plastic bags, maybe, that the cards are contained in, and then the rule book, and then the cardboard box. It's not much more than that, though it doesn't necessarily need more than that, but just like a little bit of pageantry would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I, played this game. <laughs> I, I played this game without the box, so that already gave me a, uh, made me have it at a lower score. Did you find that it enhanced at all? The, the the pictures were nice. Okay. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay. So at least there was something yeah. helping it out. 
you've got a very interesting acerbic view on yeah. this being the only person who's played it without any mm. materials. So that's that's a very good a good thing to mention. Uh, assuming there are no further objections in regards to the value. Uh, next up is the flexibility subsection community. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's a little sad to say this, even though I so the developer support aside from expansions is not great. Obviously the expansions do assist with some of the problems that we've brought up, but the developers themselves don't necessarily change anything specific. It's more like they release more stuff and as time goes on, that stuff is changed by like the public opinion, uh, how everyone perceives the game as it's already happened and what problems have been brought up from the already. Uh, none of that necessarily changes what we've already said, but it's just they're working on it. I will say, in regards to the player community, you didn't hear, hear this from our podcast, but there are several websites where you can play Spyfall online, where you don't have to pick up any of the, the materials. They are unofficial, so they're not sponsored or... Uh, I don't want to say recognized. Or, yeah, not, not recognized, recognized by the by the the company itself. But I I have played some of those before. Uh, I hadn't known that they were from a board <gasps> game originally, which is <gasps> gas scandalous. All right, Chris, uh, you're outing me on how I played this game without materials. You did that yourself. <laughs> but I didn't say how. <laughs> I just said I didn't use the materials. There's also limits to how many people can be for that the mm-hmm. board game. So it's not like. It's, it's not like you're playing the game any any more effectively than you would. But at the very least, there are, like, separate from... I feel like that's, like, a perfect example of the player community. Separate from the company itself, people have put forward methods to play this game with other people online, whether they be friends, family, or anywhere in between. So clearly people enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this not is... Not as many people at this table, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's one of those games that this type of game in general, and even this one specifically, um, where you can bring people together for a quick game. So if you have someone who's reluctant about board games or reluctant to put in time, um, this is a quick one to dip their toes into, mm-hmm. which I understand is the whole appeal of these That's why we games. games. Yeah, no, I, 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 I understand its value. And I understand why it was in this podcast. I just got this weird sense of deja vu. Almost like I heard that exact it's sentence. Like ten minutes like ten ago. Minutes ago. <laughs> oh. Scandalous. Well, I think that's as much as we'll really discuss in regards to the community yeah. for Spyfall. Slipping back into the flexibility section, this time the modifications in regards to the expansions and custom content. Uh, we've already discussed like homebrew content in refer in regards to if you wanted to change the time span that you're given or adding additional rules for your specific game. None of that's written anywhere specifically. Obviously, those uh, online options have their own methods that allow you to do whatever changes, so that's technically considered. I think the main point here is in regards to the expansions. Uh, there are... A large variety of expansions, especially for the original Spyfall, that just add more cards and more locations for different areas based on like themes, like holiday themes, or like a 
uh, Hollywood themes, things of that nature. Nothing that really jumps out at you, though. There's a wide variety of those expansions that add different cards, but if it doesn't change how you play the game fundamentally, then you're basically just doing something you could have just like had a printout for. Yeah, it's like, it's hard to do that with this type of game, though. It's hard to change it up un- significantly to get a higher score in this area. I guess what you would literally have to do is what Ian suggested, which is just add extra supplementary roles that you yeah. would, like the jester, who has to... <laughs> Pretend to be the most suspicious without being called out as the jester. Yeah, or even having if like the jester you, gets called out, they win. Or or mm-hmm. having a, a, a secondary thing like, do you like your job or do you hate your job? Like we all, because of our work experience, just decided to be begrudging uh, people in this job. But maybe we have something where it says like, oh, uh, you really like your job and you're passionate about this, or, or like it gave, <laughs> <you a> literal, <laughs> it gave you like a literal character backstory yeah. that you would run from. That would be nice. Yeah, so that would be a fun thing. Um, that would just take a lot of time with the amount of stuff that's here. So unfortunately, none of the expansions ex- exemplified ex- that. Yeah, they well, don't. They don't make the game any harder or different. They just uh, give you more options. Yeah, they don't reinvent the wheel. They just add another wheel to it. This kind of what I'm going to say kind of also goes back to materials a little bit. I think they could have done uh, well for themselves for things like this if they put in like blank cards. That would and be just fun. like you could write and even draw locations on it and, and rules and stuff, uh, so that you could come up do what you said. Like we, you could put cities in there, like London, Paris, New York City, and you can guess those too. I mean, I guess you really you don't even need as 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 Max said, you don't even really need the pictures or anything. You can just write a name of a place on a card and four cards. Make one say spy. And just throw them in a packet, and you play this game. Like, yeah. I mean, it's almost as if the, the emissions are, are a bit of a hindrance. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. nothing really stopping you from making your own cards. And yeah. yeah, there's nothing really stopping you from just making player con or player made content for this. Except for the fact that the artwork's specific and the backings are specific yeah. on the cards. So you would be able to immediately tell that it's yeah yeah. Still, you know. I, there's a large number of expansions, even though they don't change a lot, so I've got a couple of points for me. Finally, we have the flexibility section, subsection, meta, the replay value, classic or innovative scale, and simple to complex scale. In terms of the classic to innovative scale, I gave it a 1 in classic, so it's it's a classic game, but I feel like it's like one of those not-so-great classic games. It's... It- it's that it's a trope. They just took the formula and reskinned it. They didn't add anything to the genre. They didn't make it a very. It's a good game. It just is. I'm trying not to be mean. Uh, By all means, <laughs> no, be mean. I know, but at the He's same time, mom. that's not who I am. <laughs> so um, I I really feel that this is a game that took a formula half-heartedly and uh, just expanded on a popular formula that was going on. They didn't necessarily push it in any direction. They didn't do anything with it. They just created it. On that note, I will say, as far as replay value goes, I mean, we got three games out of this, and while, while I, I, I realize not everyone necessarily enjoyed the game, we definitely had a lot of fun playing oh, yeah. it because everyone was laughing a lot. Of, like mm-hmm. I feel like we laughed a lot more during this than we did during Machikoro. Oh, yeah. This is, this is a party game. That's yeah. what these this are. Is, so it's about the people you have in the room. If you don't get along with your family, this is not helping. 
Mm. <laughs> Machi Corals might be a better fit for if you're not making if you're not getting along with your family, just play the I'll steal all your coins. <laughs> yeah. Spotfall, but like Spotfall is more of a it, it relies more on like the social interaction with each other, asking each other questions. There's more involvement. Um and th- that's where why I think you might have seen that oh we were laughing way more because we were we were playing off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, Max, are you saying we're friends outside yeah, the podcast? I think, spoiler alert, we, we are who friends. Are a little a little break the illusion, guys. We just found this guy on the street. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We, we um, let's go with that. As one of our friends at the stop uh-huh. start of podcast. But uh, twenty bucks. We didn't <laughs> talk about the fact on stream that like we hang out with him every Tuesday. Yeah. Most of the guests we invite will probably be people we regularly yeah, I was so you were gonna say most of the guests we invite are gonna be random people from the streets. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I want to pull a couple of streamers that I talked to you on, but other than that, but then you're gonna know them. You're gonna be friends yeah. with them. Well, I, I know them. I'm not. I mean, yeah, but I think if you get to, if you get it to that point where they're gonna to want to hang out with us, I think that means that you're closer than you think. Mm, yeah, that's true. I will say, um, I don't think I would have played this as much. Like, I think after a few rounds of at least one of us each being the spy, uh, I would have probably gotten tired of it. Yeah, it much like Cards Against Humanity and similar games like that, mm-hmm. it gets stale after a while. Yeah, unless there's alcohol involved, but I don't, <laughs> I don't see that possible with this game. So, Especially like, one of the things family. the party, well, I, yes, for our family friendly one, maybe there's a little eggnog, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I with party games, it's got to be something like if you can drink while doing it, usually they last longer. I don't think I could ever drink while playing this game because of the amount of focus it requires <laughs> and the reading. I, I to uh, start heading heading towards wrap up for this. Yeah, I'll say um, while I do really enjoy hidden world games, uh, the fact that this is a simpler one actually kind of makes it a lot worse. I mean, that's why my score for it's only twenty nine. Wow, only a twenty nine. For my favorite type of game. Yeah, this is this is his preferred. Okay. Out of 42, 29 is not oh, as no. good as it really could be. I, I think it's one of my lowest scores, actually. I mean, this is one of my lowest Next scores. Next to Machikoro. <laughs> this, this is of the two, of the two, oh, okay, uh, this, of the two uh, I had a 21. Oof. That's fair. Oh, I, I didn't have the lowest score. I had a 27. Though... I will admit, I would pick up this game, but probably only if it was on discount. Because I'm not sure if I want to pay... $25 is a little much. Chris, that's what I said, too. In my notes, I said yes, but only on sale for for if I would buy this. Nice. What was your total score? Uh, My total was also a 27. We're twins. That brings us to an average of 26. Okay. Um, I just did it real quick, so we didn't have to guess. Quick math. Sorry for taking your score. Uh, That's my fault. But I, I actually found it funny that with one that's my least favorite genre game and one that's my most favorite genre game, it really does show, I mean, at least for me, mm-hmm. how how much Machi Core is a great example of an easy role play, or easy uh, resource gathering game, and Spyfall is a kind of poor example of a good hidden world game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're also, it's nice, these are, is Spyfall accessible? Is this an easy game that I can pick up yes. and buy? It is. Where it's like, where could I go to? Get? Oh, for sorry, I thought you meant accessible as an easy. Oh no, no, it. I meant like, is it, is it like only it, in board game shops? Is it in big box store shops? Is it in? I haven't seen it. It's available at Walmart on Amazon and also at Target, from what I've seen. Okay, so they're both 
that's the the new rendition of Spyfall. So the box we have currently, it looks like an older version of it. Well, so same with sure. Machi Koro too. The, this is an older version because I got this at, at a, a shop. Yeah. But Spyfall, uh, the newer version, and then also Spyfall Two are all available at those uh, pre. Okay. locations. So at least these are both easily accessible games mm-hmm. at around the same price point. And in all honesty, as much as we're knocking Spyfall and got a lower score, uh, if you enjoy those games, it's gonna be one you're gonna want to pick up. Like it's not, it's not our favorite, but we play a lot of board games, so we're we're a little we're a little snobby sometimes. It's it's like playing poker. So, like, it's it's not like you want to play it, but if you're ever bored and you want to have, you want to play with, like, your friends or something, it's always, like, just something to do outside of it all. Alright, I think that pretty succinctly brings up uh, all of the information that we had for this podcast, so. Yeah. Uh, so, I just want to say thank you for joining us this episode. To see a complete breakdown of our scores, head over to Instagram at Dancing with the Bards. For gameplay, head over to our YouTube, Dancing with the Bards. For even more Bard, follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and check out our Twitch, which is with Bard, for sneak peeks on upcoming episodes. And don't forget to show our game creators some love if you found them interesting. Also, just on a quick note, because this is our holiday episode, happy holidays from our Bardic family to yours. And Happy New Year's. And Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. And also, thank you for coming along with this ride for us as we enter the new year and really start kicking this podcast into gear. Max, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Anytime, man. Thanks for showing up. All right, everyone. See ya. Peace.